If you have a Bible this morning, we're going to be in Psalm 119. I would encourage you to turn to Psalm 119. If you don't have a Bible today, there should be a Bible in the seat back in front of you. And if you don't own a Bible, that Bible is our gift to you. And uh, we'd love for you to keep that Bible and follow along. Most of the verses will be on the screen as well today. Today we're starting a brand new series of messages that we're calling First Things First. And we're talking about the right priorities uh, as we begin this new year. Uh, which priorities need to be established for every follower of Jesus? How many of you set a New Year's resolution or two? Anybody like that? All right, seven of you. That's actually better than the first service. I think there was four in the first service. Uh, but we're going to talk about establishing the right priorities today. Psalm 119. We're going to start reading verse number 97. The Bible says this. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Thou through thy commandments has made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep thy precepts. I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. For a few minutes today, I'd like to speak to this subject. Start here. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, start here. Turn to your second choice and say, you too, start here. Let's have a word of prayer this morning. Father, thank you so much for this day that you've given us. God, thank you for all of the wonderful blessings and wonderful things that we experienced in 2022. Lord, thank you for the lives that have been changed and the souls that have been saved and the baptisms and the discipleship and the growth. And Lord, I pray that we would not grow comfortable as a church or complacent, but that we would seek to do more for your glory in this year and that we would recognize that you've called us for such a time as this. And Lord, I pray that we'd be able to reach more people with the gospel. Lord, I pray that according to your will and in your timing that you would provide a building for our church that we can purchase and, and build a strong foundation here in the Inland Empire to reach more people for you. And Lord, I pray that you'd be with us this morning. As we look to this text in Psalm 119, God, I pray that we would understand the foundational starting point for every follower of Jesus and that we would uh, devote this year to spiritual growth through your word. And we love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, how many of you are puzzle people? You like traditional classic puzzles. Anybody like that? You like puzzles? How many of you do not like puzzles? You're not a puzzle person. Okay, thank you. I think that my wife Katie and I would be in that second category. We're not really big into puzzles. But I remember when we first got married, I decided that I was going to establish a new family tradition around Christmas time and that we're going to put together some uh, puzzles around the Christmas time. And so I went and bought at Target a 5,000 piece puzzle. 
and I had never really put a big puzzle together before, but I thought I'm not going to do 100 or 200. I've got to get a big one. And so uh, we got a 5,000 piece puzzle. We came home. We didn't have any kids yet. And I established the right atmosphere. I turned on some Christmas music and I set up my iPad and put a little fireplace on the iPad to make it warm and cozy, cleared off the coffee table, and we started to dump out all the puzzle pieces, and I was shocked at how small those little puzzle pieces were for a 5,000-piece puzzle. And I was trying to have a good attitude throughout it all. I could tell Kay didn't want to do it, but I was trying to, you know, this is going to be fun. This will be a great uh, tradition. Uh, But we were trying to just get all the pieces to face the right side, put them uh, the face up, and that was taking forever, and we both got frustrated. We both got discouraged, and I packed up the box and took it back to Target, and I don't think we've ever put a puzzle together since then. And I'm sad to say that we, we gave up a little too early. You know, this past year for Christmas, I bought my son a Millennium Falcon Lego set. And he was very, yes, thank you so much. He was very, he was very excited about this Millennium Falcon Lego set. And uh, uh, we were putting it together this week. And on the outside of the box, it says that there are 1,300 outside the box. It says that there are 151 pieces in this set. Now, I was getting a little bit nervous. And this is going to take a long time. And I don't want to get discouraged like, like with Katie. And I got to do this for my son and be there uh, for him. And so uh, we were opening up the box. But I was encouraged because Lego does a great job with their packaging. And uh, you don't just have all the pieces everywhere. You have individually wrapped packets that are labeled 1 through 12. And so I know exactly where to start. I just start with that number one, and it was very easy because we did number one, finish that, and then you go on to number two. I knew exactly where to start, and it made it so much easier because I knew exactly where to start. Sometimes spiritually, we want to grow. We want to take that next step. We want to mature or advance in our spiritual walk. The problem is we don't always know where to start. There's so many different directions that we could take. There's so many different New Year's resolutions we can make. There's so many books we could read. There's so many podcasts we can listen to. There's so many relationships that we can uh, try to cultivate. There's so many different directions that we could take. And often, we don't know where the starting point is. But I believe today that there is a starting point for every follower of Jesus that wants to grow in their faith. There is a starting point, whether you have been saved for two days or two decades, there is a foundational starting point, And that starting point is the word of God. We start here. Uh, The word of God is our foundation. Uh, Why do we know this? Joshua chapter one, verse number eight says this, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good. What is it? Success. The only time that success is mentioned in scripture is in correlation to scripture. That if you want to walk the path of success, that you have to be pondering and diving into the word of God, into scripture. And so we believe that this is the starting point. It's good to have goals. It's good to read books. It's good to listen to podcasts. It's good to get counseling. But we cannot afford to miss the foundation of God's word. By the way, not just because the Bible is a helpful book of tips and tricks for life. Not just because it's, it's some um, helpful hints for happy living. No, because we believe that the Bible is God's authoritative word. And when God is speaking, he speaks with authority. When God is speaking, he does not mumble. We recognize that the word of God is truth. John 17 verse 17 says this, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Truth. Now, many people today, many people that don't know the Lord, lost people in culture, sometimes even followers of Jesus, they'll try to read the Bible, they'll start reading the Bible, but they'll read an obscure passage in the Old Testament, or perhaps they'll read something in the New Testament that they don't understand, 
and they don't understand the historical or the cultural context, and so they will discredit the Bible or say that the Bible is not trustworthy because there's a misunderstanding. But we know today that the Word of God is truth, and the Bible has been proven true time and time again throughout history. The Bible has been proven true historically, prophetically, archaeologically, scientifically. Aren't you thankful today that we have a more sure word of prophecy, that we can trust the word of God? We know that we have the truth in God's word. All scripture, this is 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And so we start here. Randy Alcorn was talking about uh, the truth, and we live in a post-truth culture where uh, moral relativism is rampant. Do whatever you want to do, live your truth, I'm going to live my truth, and we can all just get along and be happy together. But Randy Alcorn said this in regards to truth. He said, you and I can discover truth, but we cannot create it. What's true is true, and what's not is not for all of us all the time. Our culture views truth as something inside us, subject to revision according to our growth and enlightenment. Scripture views truth as something outside us, which we can believe or not, but it can never sway. And so he is saying that truth is concrete. It's not just your truth and my truth, and I'm, I'm developing my own truth. No, truth is truth. And I believe that a healthy, mature follower of Jesus is interested and passionate about the truth. Did you know that Jesus is very interested in the truth? And that Jesus wants us to engage in the truth. There's a time in Matthew chapter 21 where uh, the Pharisees, they came to Jesus and they were trying to ask him some questions and question his authority. By what authority do you speak? And Jesus responds and there's this dialogue that takes place that's very interesting and revealing in terms of what is truth. Now, I want to read it in Matthew chapter 21 verse number 23. Everybody with me so far this morning? Listen into this dialogue, and I, I believe there's much to glean here. Matthew 21, verse 23. And when he was coming to the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching and said, By what authority doest thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? And Jesus answered and said unto them, I also will ask you one thing. Jesus says, I actually have a question for you as well. Which, if you tell me, I, in likewise, will tell you by what authority I do these things. And here's the question that Jesus asks. The baptism of John, speaking of John the Baptist, he says, whence was it, from heaven or of men? The authority that John the Baptist had to baptize, was it from heaven or was it from men? And they reasoned with themselves, saying, if we shall say from heaven, he will say unto us, why did we not believe him? But if we shall say of men, we fear the people, for all hold John as a prophet. And they answered Jesus and said, we cannot tell. So in other words, they didn't want to speak the truth, and so they kind of just took neutral ground, and they spoke in generalities, ah, we don't know, we can't tell. See, if they said from heaven... They knew that Jesus would say, well, then why didn't you believe him? Why didn't you trust him? If you said John the Baptist's authority to baptize came from earth, it was going to upset the Jewish people. It was going to upset the people that held John in high regard as a prophet. And they didn't want to say that either because it might hurt someone's feelings. And so they just said, ah, we cannot, we cannot tell. We don't know. And this is what Jesus said. He said unto them, neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. I find it interesting that Jesus was unwilling to engage with them because they were not interested in the truth. Many people today are not interested in the truth for the same two reasons the Pharisees were uninterested in truth. Because it might make them feel uncomfortable, it might make them look bad, or it might offend other people or hurt someone else's feelings. And so they are unwilling to deal in truth. But Jesus wants us to be actively engaged and interested in the truth. Thy word is truth. Are you following with me this morning? Amen. It's vitally important. Now, if we are going to be committed to the truth, we have to then be consuming the truth. 
If you're going to be committed to the truth, you have to be consuming the truth. You have to be digesting the truth. You have to be reading the truth and aware of what the truth is that we find in God's word. Now, this is what Psalm 119 is all about. So if you have your Bible today, I want to encourage you to keep it open and ready. Psalm 119 is truly one of the most prolific and amazing chapters in all of scripture. It really has one central dominant theme, and that theme is the power and the practical implications of God's word. We see this all throughout Psalm 119. It's the longest chapter in the Bible, and it's all about Scripture. Uh, Really, Psalm 119 is a beautiful literary uh, masterpiece uh, where it's divided into 22 sections, and each of those sections in Psalm 119, those 22 sections, correspond with one of the letters of the 22-letter Hebrew alphabet. And so it was organized and structured beautifully for memorization and for uh, remembering what these truths are. And over and over again, the author is referencing the Scripture, and he uses different words. He uses the word word. He uses precepts, testimonies, law, commandments, ordinances, judgments, statutes. But time and time again, he's emphasizing the priority and the power of God's word. This is the starting point. This is uh, where we begin with God's word. And so today, I want us to look to Psalm 119, verses 97 through 105. And I want to give us, very simply today, five reasons that we should read the word of God. Would that be all right today? Five reasons you should read the Bible in 2023. Five reasons. Number one, reason number one, I would encourage you to write them down, jot them down as we begin this new year. Number one, you'll love it. You'll love it. Notice what he says in verse 97. Oh, how I love, everybody say love. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. We can love all kinds of things in life. We can love people. We can love hobbies. We can love sports. We can love money. There's all kinds of things that people can love. I love that the psalmist here says, oh, how I love thy law. I love the scripture. You know, we are to learn the scripture, but even a superficial Christian can learn the scripture. It's only a spiritual Christian that loves the scripture, that there's a love for the word of God. Uh, This morning I I brought with me some notes. I I love it when my kids write me notes and I save, I've saved every note that my kids have ever written me and I cherish them. And I brought one this morning. This is from my oldest daughter, Liv. She said, dear dad, you are the best dad ever. I hope you're having a great day. I loved hanging out with you today. I also loved watching you work on your sermon. Me and Luke want to watch one of your sermons, but Blakely won't agree with exclamation points. Come on, Blakely. She's just like, I'm not having it. And, uh, and uh, Liv wrote me that note. Blakely wrote me a note recently. And uh, I'm not exactly sure what the picture is, of, but it says, dad, and it says, mom, I love you. You are my friends from Blakely. And so I love these notes and I'll keep them and I'll cherish them. And can I encourage you today? That is how we ought to view God's love letter to us. That we love it. We cherish it. We refer back to it often. Now, you cannot force or manufacture love for someone or something. But you can cultivate a love for something or someone. And we do that by giving the word of God our time. We give it our priority. We give it our honor. We give it our praise. And we cultivate love for God's word. I love what Charles Spurgeon said in, in, when it comes to God's word. He said this, I beseech you to let your Bibles be everything to you. Carry this matchless treasure with you continually and read it and read it.
to its pages by day and by night. Let its narratives mingle with your dreams. Let its precepts color your lives. Let its promises cheer your darkness. Let its divine illumination make glad your life as you love God. Love this book, which is the book of God and the God of books, as it has rightly been called. He says, make it a part of your life. You will love it. There's, there's a correlation between your level of joy and the time that you spend in scripture. The Bible says in Psalm 1, verse number 2, but his delight, everybody say delight. You will love, you will delight in the law of the Lord. And so when it comes to uh, these divine precepts, there is delight. Philippians 2.16 says, holding forth the word of life, uh, the scripture, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. James 1.25 says this, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty. The word look, look there, looketh, means to really take a close look, to really examine. Uh, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein. Uh, not just giving up on our resolution to read the scripture after one or two days, but continuing uh, to make it a, uh, letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly uh, and continue it there. And he being not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. And so there's a direct correlation between your blessing and the amount of time you are reading the word of God. And so number one today, you'll love it. You will love reading the scripture. Just like the psalmist said, oh, how I love thy law. Here's the second reason today. Number two is this, you'll get wisdom. How many of you are interested in wisdom? Anybody? Now there's different kinds of wisdom. There is worldly, uh, uh, earthly wisdom that the Bible talks about in James. Then there is wisdom that descends from above, wisdom from God. Uh, The Bible puts it this way in James chapter number 3. In verse 15, this wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. Uh, There is an earthly wisdom where you can sound uh, intelligent or you can have a philosophy or a plausible sounding argument that sounds good, but it's wisdom from below. It's earthly, it's sensual, it's devilish. Where there's envy and and strife is, there's confusion in every evil work. But then he says this, but wisdom that is from above is first pure and peaceable and gentle and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. This is the kind of wisdom that we should be striving for, wisdom that comes from above by way of God's word. I like what Amy Carmichael said. Never let good books take the place of the Bible. Drink from the well, not from the streams that flow from the well. Let's not get distracted by all the good resources. By the way, I'm thankful for all the good resources that we have access to, but let's make sure that we are prioritizing the word of God first, that we're going to seek ye first the kingdom of God. Now, uh, the psalmist is going to list three categories of people here in regards to wisdom. Okay, the first category of people in verse number 98 is our enemies. Notice what he says. He says, thou through thy commandments has made me wiser. So he's talking about wisdom, and, and all of us just said a second ago, we're interested in wisdom. He says, wiser than mine enemies. And so the psalmist says, when you are reading the word of God, you are equipping yourself when you are attacked by an enemy, by an opposition, when trial or adversity comes into your life, you will have wisdom to navigate that season when you are spending time in God's word. So he mentions our enemies, but then he mentions a second category, our educators. Notice what he says in verse number 99. He says, I have more understanding than all my teachers for thy testimonies are my meditation. I'm thankful that in my life I've had some good godly teachers. How many of you have had a teacher maybe in school or college or church or somewhere, a teacher that has impacted you on a great level? Anybody like that? 
How many of you have ever had a teacher that did not impact you on a great level? Anybody like that? Okay. I'm thankful that I've had some great teachers that have imparted wisdom to me. But the Bible is saying here that our, our level of wisdom is not contingent upon the level of education that we've received. He says the Bible can make us wiser than our teachers. What, what does he mean? Acts chapter 4 verse 13 says this. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they didn't have the best education. But they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. By the way, what a great compliment. If there was ever a compliment that you should desire to get in 2023, is, it, is someone would say, man, that person spent time with Jesus. That person loves Jesus. That person keeps talking about Jesus. That person keeps posting about Jesus. Hey, at Rock Hill, let's be Jesus people in 2023. Let's love Jesus and pursue Jesus and let everybody know it's not about us. It's all about Jesus. But they took knowledge of Peter and John. They said, man, these are unlearned and ignorant men. Uh, but they marveled. They marveled. They were amazed that they had spent time with Jesus. And so uh, this wisdom that comes from the Bible, uh, it can give us strength uh, to overcome our enemies. It can propel us beyond teachers and give us wisdom in that regard. But then there's a third category, and it's our elders. Notice what he says in verse 100. Everybody with me today? Verse 100. I understand more than the ancients. Now, that's a unique way of say, saying our elders, right? And uh, the ancients. <laughs> this is something that uh, in, in uh, ancient culture uh, that they held uh, the elders in, in a much higher regard, even higher, much higher than our culture today, where there was much wisdom and experience that comes from those that have gone before. By the way, one of our values at Rock Hill, if you look on our website, it's that we honor those that have gone before us. I'm thankful that as a younger church, we value the counsel and the input and the wisdom that the previous generation has to offer. Uh, how many of you were here when we had this summer Dr. Don Six for our mission Sunday? What, what a blessing to hear from someone that has ministry experience of years and years that was imparting wisdom to us as a young church. I'm so thankful for that uh, because the reality is, is all of us, we're rookies at every stage of life. Every stage of life, it's a, it's a new season that we've never been to before. And so when we don't have that experience, when we don't have that, 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 that wisdom that comes by way of experience, what the psalmist is saying is that the word of God can guide you and give you wisdom in those seasons. When you don't have the experience that age has to offer, that you can look to God's word and there will be principles that can guide you in those areas. Uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 7 says this, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom with all thy getting. In other words, put some passion into it. With everything that you have, get understanding, pursue wisdom. How do we do that? We spend time in God's word, and we'll get wisdom. You'll love it. You'll get wisdom. Here's the third thing. You ready for number three? The third reason I believe that you should read the Bible in 2023, you'll get strength. Notice verse 101. It says this. I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. I have refrained my feet. I've kept my feet back from those places that I shouldn't go and those things that I shouldn't do. I've refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. Verse 102. I have not departed from thy judgments for thou hast taught me. I have not drifted or departed from the things that I know that, I'm, that I should be doing because you have taught me. And so what is he saying? He's saying because of God's word, I have strength to get victory over sin and temptation in my life. Now, this is good news because maybe 2023 is the year that you are praying that you finally get victory over that besetting sin in your life. 
Maybe you are praying that you finally get victory in that area of temptation, that you feel weak and you feel like, man, I'm not strong enough to get victory over this sin. And I have some bad news. In your own flesh, you are not strong enough to get victory over that sin. But I have some good news. I'm thankful that through the power of the Holy Spirit and the strength of God's word, you can be victorious. Romans 6 says, sin shall not have dominion over me. Aren't you thankful today that we can get victory over sin? We can refrain our feet from evil through the power of the Holy Spirit and the strength of the word of God. And so today, if you're serious about getting victory over that sin, if you're serious about getting victory in that temptation, then we have to be spending time in God's word. We will receive strength. I remember when I was in elementary I got a new Bible, and I was really proud of that Bible. And my mom took that Bible, and she wrote something inside of the flap of the front cover. And I think D.L. Moody is the first person to say this statement, but many people write in their Bibles. Perhaps some of you have written it in your Bibles. And she wrote down this statement. Sin, or, or this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. And it's absolutely true that if you want to get victory over sin, the psalmist is saying, I, I've been able to refrain my feet from evil. I've been able to get victory. I've been able to walk in that freedom because I have kept thy word and because I have been spending time in thy word. John Butler said this, the word enables people to overcome evil habits, conquer temptation, and stop sinning. Without the word, mankind is as weak to defeat sin as Samson was without his haircut. We need divine enablement to defeat sin faithfully, and that enablement comes through the word. Uh, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. H how did Jesus defeat temptation in the wilderness. When, when Satan was tempting him in the wilderness, and, and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit drove him into the wilderness, the Holy Spirit led him there, Jesus was able to defeat that temptation by quoting the scripture. He was quoting the book of Deuteronomy. I wonder if your ability to defeat temptation was contingent upon how well you knew the book of Deuteronomy. How would you do? Jesus was quoting scripture. But that was his weapon. That was, Biblical truth was his counterpunch. Can I encourage you today that the word is your weapon? Uh, that the word of God is not passive. That the word of God is active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Can I encourage you today to trust the word of God and use the word of God as your biblical counterpunch when uh, that temptation comes your way? Uh, the word of God is active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. By the way, uh, everything that we have in life will fail. Our ideas will fall. Our resolutions will fall short. Our ideas will fall. The Bible says that the grass withers, the flower fades away. But aren't you thankful that the word of our God stands forever? Aren't you thankful that the prophet Isaiah said that the word of God will not return void? This is why we start here. This is why we build our foundation on the principles of God's word and not our own faulty ideas. We understand that the Bible says in Ephesians 6, 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, which is the word of God. Now, this leads us to our fourth thought today. Number four is this, you'll be satisfied. Read the word of God because you'll be satisfied. Everybody still with me this morning? Notice what the Bible says in verse 103. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I think the psalmist was a foodie. I think he was 
always interested in food. How many of you are foodies? You like to talk about food, think about food. You get it. Some people just get really excited. They start describing a meal, and they start smiling, and they start getting excited. Kate and I were talking about our favorite meals of 2022, and one of our top meals was we were in Phoenix on a layover. We went to a Korean barbecue restaurant, and it was amazing Korean barbecue, and we just started smiling talking about that food, and uh, we were excited uh, thinking about that meal. This is what the psalmist is saying. God's word will satisfy you better than your favorite meal. There is satisfaction in God's word. Sometimes I think we have the wrong idea, the wrong idea of God's word, that we view God's word as something that is healthy for us, that we need to do, but it's just not that enjoyable. Katie, can you help me for a second? And uh, Katie's going to bring something for me this morning. Rakia picked this up for me today. And uh, what is this called again? Turmeric. Rakia's sitting in the back. She's backsliding. Usually she's in the front, but pray for Rakia in the new year, starting it off on a bad foot. Can you open that up for me for a second? Just kidding, Rakia. But this is a turmeric uh, shot. Yeah, Rakia, would you come up here for a second? I think that'd be a great thing. Come on up here for a second. And Rakia is... She's very healthy, and she, she likes to talk about oils and vitamins and magic potions. I don't know, but, but Rikia likes to talk about these things. Just kidding. But, but this is a, a turmeric shot, and it's, it's very healthy for you, right, Rikia? And um, would you like to taste this for us this morning? Okay. You don't, have to, you, don't have to drink, you don't have to drink all of it, but maybe just describe what it tastes like. Not great. Okay. Maybe a little bit bitter? A little bit bitter. Okay, thank you. Let's give it up for Rakia this morning. Thank you so much, Rakia. Sometimes that's how we view the Bible. Like, it's really healthy. We know that we should, it'll, it'll do good for us, but it's not going to be that enjoyable. Can I tell you that the Word of God is not like a turmeric shot? That the Word of God is enjoyable. The psalmist says it's sweet to our taste, that we will be satisfied when we read the Word of God. But you know, there's a reason why often we don't experience that satisfaction. Maybe you're thinking, well, I've not been that satisfied. I've read the Bible, and I, I'm trying to find that love, that satisfaction, but I've been, I, I've been reading. I, I don't know. I just didn't get anything out of it. You know, there's a reason that we don't experience that level of satisfaction that the psalmist says when he says, man, his words are sweeter than honey to my taste. Do you want to know what that reason is? Sure. One person wants to know. Does anybody else want to know what that reason is? Okay, just making sure. I mean, we can just pray right now if you want. Here it is, Proverbs 27. Verse 7, the fool soul loatheth in honeycomb, but to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. It's hard to be satisfied on God's word when we are stuffed with Netflix, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and everything else. It's hard to be satisfied in the, world, in the word when we are stuffed with the world. This is what Charles Spurgeon said in regard to this. He said this, Ah, when a soul is full of itself and of the world and of the pleasures of sin, I do not wonder that it sees no sweetness in Christ, for it has no appetite. And so today we have to recognize, okay, I've got to stop filling up on the things of this world and fill up on God's word and let the word of Christ dwell in me richly and there will be satisfaction. Now this leads us to our fifth and final point today. The fifth reason why you need to read the Bible is this, you'll get discernment. You'll get discernment. Something that is so lacking in our world today, in our churches today, is discernment. Discernment is not the ability to choose or to differentiate between good and evil. Discernment is the ability to differentiate between what is good and what is best. 
And a lot of times we are lacking discernment in our churches today. And we desperately need discernment in our individual lives, in our parenting, in our marriages, in our families. We need discernment. Uh, an, an immature question, an immature question is, what's wrong with it? A lot of people ask, well, what's wrong with it? What's wrong with trying this? What's wrong with going to that, seeing that movie? What's wrong with this show? What's wrong with that? What's wrong with it? That, that's not a great question. Here's a good question. Are you interested in a good question? Yeah. What's the wise thing to do? You know, in those gray areas when there's not a clear-cut scripture that you can just go to, like, hey, I'm just going to go to this scripture. What is the wise thing to do? This is where discernment comes into play. Notice what the psalmist says about this in verse 104. He says, through thy precepts, I get understanding. Because I'm spending time in God's word, because I have thy precepts, I get understanding. And then he says, therefore, I hate every false way. I think it's interesting that he starts this section with love. Oh, how I love thy law. Then he ends the section with hate. I wonder today, do you hate sin? Or is sin something to be tolerated? Is sin something to be laughed at? One of the greatest tricks in the enemy's playbook is to get us to laugh at sin. Because if he can get us to laugh at it on TV, on the sitcoms, if he can get us to laugh at sin, he will desensitize us to sin. But what we need to recognize is like what Joseph recognized in the Old Testament when he was tempted with Potiphar's wife. He wasn't laughing at that temptation. He said, how could I do this great wickedness before God? In other words, he was calling sin what it was. And see, what we do is we learn to tolerate sin and kind of laugh at sin and belittle sin. But here the psalmist says, I hate every false way. I'm not going to befriend something that put Jesus on the cross. I'm going to hate every false way. James Montgomery Boyce said this, the Christian life is not all sweetness. It has its sweet moments and there is incomparable beauty in God, but we still live in a sour, ugly world and it is equally important to learn to hate evil as well as love the good. Now, he's going to close this section. Let's, let's look at verse number 105. He says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When we are traversing through a dark world, I'm thankful that the scriptures will illuminate our path and give us the direction that we need to move forward. And so today, uh, why should we read the word of God? And why should we start here with this uh, foundational principle? You'll love it. You'll get wisdom. You'll get strength. You'll be satisfied. You'll get discernment and direction. And I want to end today I want to end this sermon on a very practical level. Would that be all right this morning? I want to end on a very practical level because I really want to implore our church family to make 2023 a year where you're building your life on the foundation of God's word, that, that we're going to read the Bible together, that we're going to build our lives on this foundation. Now, next Sunday for Vision Sunday, we're giving everybody in attendance a starter kit. There's going to be some tools and resources to help you in your walk with God next Sunday. Uh, but even today on your way out, if you want a Bible reading schedule, we're going to give it to you today. We don't want you to have to wait till Vision Sunday. You can get a Bible reading schedule today. If you're new to reading the Bible and you've never really spent time uh, in God's Word on a daily basis, I would encourage you to start with the book of John. I love the book of John. Start with the book of John. Learn about Jesus, who Jesus is, the deity of Jesus Christ. Uh, start there. Uh, this week, you can find Bible reading plans on version. but I want to encourage you, get a plan, get a time, get a place, and be faithful in reading the Bible. Now, I want to end by giving an acrostic. 
And this is an acrostic that has helped me. I learned this several years ago that just kind of helps when it comes to your approach in reading the scripture. And there's many different approaches. Um, we want to approach the scripture in its proper historical, literal, grammatical context. We know that. Uh, but when it comes to reading the word of God in our devotional time, I want to give you an acrostic that I believe will help with this. And it's the acrostic spec. And I always remember it because you've got to put on your spectacles when reading uh, the word of God, okay? And uh, that'll help you remember it. But here's the acrostic, okay? When you're reading scripture, look for these things, ask these questions. It'll help you in your devotional walk. The first uh, letter is S. Is there a sin that I need to forsake or confess? So as I'm reading, whatever your Bible reading plan is, and you read this, is there a sin in my life that I need to forsake or confess? Uh, The next one is, is there a promise that I can claim? Is there a promise about God's love, God's faithfulness that I can claim and apply to my situation at work or in my relationships? Is there a promise to claim? Uh, The next one, is there an example to follow? When you're reading about these Old Testament narratives about uh, Joseph and Samson and Gideon and and, uh, Abraham, when you read about these uh, people, is there an example that I should follow? Uh, Next, uh, C, is there a command that I need to obey? You know, there are certain commands in Scripture that we are to submit to, that we're, we're to abstain from fornication, that Ephesians 6.1, that children are to obey their parents in the Lord, for this is right. There are certain commands to obey. And then, Kate, is there, is there knowledge of God that I can grab hold of, that I can worship Him, that I can praise Him, that I can be thankful for? What am I learning about God and who He is when I'm reading His Word? I believe that this can help you uh, get more out of your devotion time and reading the scripture. But today, as we start this new year, New Year's Day, this Sunday, I want to encourage our church. Let's start here. Let's build our lives on the foundation of God's word. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes today.